Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Jacob O'Connor, who is the Vice President of Engagement at Canada Helps. And Jacob and I are going to be talking about two brand new reports that have come out of Canada Helps on the state of the sector uh, in Canada, as well as the digital um the state of the digital capacity of our sector, two really important things that we need to be talking about as we look forward. So uh, it's such an incredible opportunity to look at some of the data that's come out of 2020, um, specifically in Canada, but obviously a lot of these trends are global and how we can start to use that data, use that information to invest or you know, build up our sector for increased resilience and really helping us move forward. So Jacob, as I said, is with Canada Helps, where he leads the team uh, focused on supporting thousands of charities who raise funds online for their cause using Canada Helps. Jacob is a Ryerson University graduate who studied commerce, finance, and philosophy, and he's now using those business schools for social good. Um, Jacob has completed a certificate in nonprofit leadership for impact at the University of Toronto and is the vice chair of the board of directors at EcoSchools Canada. Shout out to EcoSchools. We've worked with them. They're amazing. Uh, they're a national charity on built on a mission to build environmentally responsible school communities. So definitely you want to check out these reports, but listen to the podcast first. And, uh, it's such a pleasure to welcome Jacob to the podcast. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. Appreciate it. Uh, this is, I don't want to say it's one of my favorite times of the year, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast to talk about the 2021 Giving Report as published by uh, Canada Helps and in partnership with Enveronics. I think this is such an important piece that we need to be talking about. We've had Canada Helps on the podcast before talking about sector trends and this annual, is it annual report yeah, that you yeah, do? Yeah. Annual ish is report. Yeah. Awesome. I just think it's such a good cornerstone uh, of like what's happening in the sector. So with that, I mean, I think about half of our listeners are in Canada, but so for anyone who's not in Canada, can you just to describe what Canada Helps is. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. And, and before I do that, I'd just like to go right back to you and say thank you for what you're doing here with this podcast. I'm a listener uh, and I know there's so many people out there that are getting tons of value from not just the podcast, but the work that you and your team are doing every day. So I really just want to acknowledge that. And thanks again for, for having you. me here. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so Canada Helps, uh, we are a charitable foundation based here in Canada that um, our goal is to increase giving and engagement with the, within, uh, with the charitable sector here in Canada through technology. Uh, so basically, we offer a one-stop shop, CanadaHelps.org. You can learn about, donate to, or fundraise on behalf of any charity in Canada. Um, and then we're also building online fundraising technology for charities uh, and then providing them with the education. Um, the support that they need so that they can succeed online. Um, so, so yeah, that's a, that's a quick little thing about us for sure. 
Awesome. And I will uh, return the praise. One of the reasons we love having you on the podcast is because I know uh, your commitment as an organization to the charitable sector, uh, especially small charities, is very much aligned with our commitment to the same. So uh, we we love working with you. Um, so you've been doing this annual report uh, for four years now. Tell us, maybe just take us back a little bit around why this is important for us to actually take stock of the sector every year? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and I think firstly, to first point there is just how important the charitable sector is to Canada as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, for folks that also, as you mentioned, that aren't in Canada, there's 85,000 charities here in Canada. Um, they're all doing amazing work and supporting this country's social fabric in so many ways. Um, I think this is even particularly more important this year in light of everything that's happened since the onset of the pandemic. Um, And because of that, I would say uh, we felt a little bit more of a responsibility this year in putting out this report. Um, But one of the trends that we've seen here in Canada for for quite some time and um, representing uh, as best as we can and as much as we can, the the breadth of charities that we do, we really wanted to, uh, since the onset of the report, is is speak to what, what we're seeing on a larger level and um, using the, the data that we, we, we have from, from the CRA, uh, which is obviously the body here in Canada, um, to take a look at that. And, and really, we've seen for a while, uh, charitable giving has remained flat, actually slower than population growth. Um, and, and also, um, we've talked about in previous reports, uh, the giving gap that's occurring. So um, the, the older age groups are, are donating at uh, 50% more increase than, than the youth population's. Um, and there's no real indication that this gap is going to be replaced. So I think that's kind of like an overall setting. But then, yeah, as I said, this this year, uh, the report took on uh, a little bit more significance, I think, for us. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I that I don't want to give away what's in the report just yet because I want you to t- talk about it. But I think one of the things I noticed in reading it was that uh, younger generations have been mobilized in a different way this past year than historically. So um, let's talk a little bit about what happened in 2020 with regards to to giving in Canada. Like, what did we see? What do the numbers tell us? Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so, firstly, I'll start at a high level, and then I'll gear down into the the younger uh, demographics. But so, I think. Um, so something uh, that's uh, new this year to the report also is the online giving index. Um, mm-hmm. So also uh, you mentioned shout out to the folks at Environics helped out a lot this year with that. Um, but basically this, we pick a baseline year, it's 2017. Um, and then uh, it's like a consumer price index. Um, so a hundred is the base year. And we kind of go from there, whether uh, the giving level is decreased um, or increased. Um, so, uh, and that's looking at online giving. And we're using primarily Canada Helps data for that. Um, we have quite a strong sample. About 3% of Canadians gave through Canada Helps last year. So it's a st- statistically relevant sample. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so, so, yeah. So I think um, even before the online giving, um, we look back to 2007 and wanting to look at the previous recession previous financial crisis that we had in 2008, 2009. So we can do a little bit of a comparison. And we, we saw from then a really strong correlation between GDP levels and, and giving levels. Uh, so there's a really strong correlation there. 
Um, and so what we did, as you know, we're, we're a couple of years behind when it comes to the CRA data. Uh, so what we did is we used um, GDP levels as of 2019 and then projected levels of GDP 2020 from the OECD. Um, so we used those levels and we were able to project out um, a charitable giving level as a whole in aggregate uh, for 2020. And what we saw there, um, and, and we say with a, a pretty good level of confidence, is that I, our, our projection is the giving declined by 10% last year wow. overall. So significant decline, it's something that we heard from charities. But at the same time, uh, and I'll stop in a sec, but just at the same time, we saw um, an 86% lift in online giving. So uh, it was uh, overall uh, that 10% drops brings us back to 2016 levels of giving, actually. But um, yeah, an 86% lift in online giving, which was which was positive for sure. Wow. So obviously, every there was a huge shift in the general public's use of technology in the past year, uh, which I'm sure accounts for that. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, people were wiping down their mail, right? Or they were yeah, letting it yeah. sit in yeah. in the fridge or something like that for a few yeah. days. Um, so that really hit our sector where it hurts, so to speak. Um, but the ad- adoption of giving online is probably a positive trend um, and something that was really spurred. Like I, you know, we talk about going back to the new normal, but I imagine that this is something that will stick with us. What's your, do you have any look forward or are you seeing now that we're well into 2021, you know, what is that still elevated? Are we still at that high point? Um, We are still seeing elevated levels into 2021. Um, I would say, like you said, I think the beginning of the pandemic, um, charities who have historically lagged a bit, I would say, in adopting t- digital technologies for a variety of reasons, um, but uh, they had no choice. So March, April, May for us, um, as we're all ad- adapting to that pandemic, that was, a, I will say, that was a challenging time here at Canada <laughs> Helps. It was, it was a lot of fun, and we, our, the team got a lot of meaning from that time, and, mm. and especially as we were still trying to make sense of what was going on at that time. So it was really heartening away, in a way, but it was, yeah, the, the amount, the demand of service went up tremendously mm. um, in those, particularly those first three months. Uh, I think we had 2,500 charities that, that came on and, jo- and to use Canada Help Services in the first two months of the pandemic. Which mm. to like in a comparison, that's like a four hundred percent increase over the previous. Like it's a huge, it's a huge number with the same staff, right? It's not like we we. But anywho, um, so we we saw that, um, and that's that's continuing. Um, we also just want to quickly just point out we were uh, we've just reached a, a digital skills survey, and so we do expect this adoption to continue and. Charities have seen a lot of success in the online space, but there are still challenges. And that's mm. something that we put out there in the digital skills survey. Um, so this is surveying the digital health of Canada's charitable sector. It's the first time we've done this this year. Again, another way we felt we needed to step up to the plate for charities and put this out there for funders and for government. Um, but there are challenges, funding challenges, uh, perception challenges f- from funders uh, for charities to be able to succeed online and to continue to adopt these these. Uh, these technologies moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I read that report as well. And I think it's very, um, 
accurate of my experience in the sector, which is, you know, very often time and money are the two things that we hear people not have enough of, yeah. uh, which is fair. Um, but this belief that technology has to be expensive and has to be complicated, I think, and, th and that we can't change as people, we can't adopt these technologies. I think that mindset is starting to shift. Uh, but I know from the report, there's still a long way to go, right? Yeah. We still organizations still battle with that mindset. They still feel like, you know, they can't learn new technology or they don't have the money for it. So it'll be an interesting couple of years to see how that shifts for, for, for sure. organizations. And I think you are doing a lot to change that, Cindy. You're doing <laughs> a lot to change that in the focus that you put on mindset. And I completely agree with you. It's something that we see here in our work every day, dealing with thousands of small charities across Canada uh, within a given year. So once again, thank you for what you're doing. But yes, that's a, that's definitely that's definitely a big part of it. Um, but I think it's also the mindset of funders, mm, mindset of funders, yeah. and the mindset of government. Um, yes. And we've we've been saying this for a long time. And uh, our CEO Marina, uh, when she when she joined, I think coming from the for profit sector, she kind of had a different like immediately. This was something that she was drawn to. This, this mm -hmm. looking at evaluating a charity by overhead and admin ratio. And for someone that comes from the for-profit sector, this doesn't make any sense, right? You need to, in you need to invest in order to be able to grow your impact. So, so yeah, I, I think the mindset of, of the sector, definitely, for sure. Um, and, but also, I think uh, there's, a, there's a challenge that we need to put out there to, to our funders. And uh, hopefully, the data that, that comes out in that report help, helps to tell that story. We think it does. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I definitely see lots more conversations. And actually, we're going to have... Um, we're going to kick off the next season of the podcast with a conversation about just that and some of the old ways of funding that ha that we need to as a as a sector and that our funders we think should uh, should let go of. So that is an ongoing conversation that it's so important because um, you're absolutely right and what so many anyways this is a bit of a rant but what so many people don't understand is like yes it takes some time to learn new technology but once you learn it you will save like tenfold hundredfold time in terms of being able to do things effectively and efficiently online so anyways i know i'm preaching to the yeah, converted, and, I, but, and i would like yeah. i would like to just comment on that quickly too um so you asked earlier about younger donors. Mm. Uh, I didn't get to that part of it. And, and so this past, year, this past year, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we, we had done actually research on this young generation of donors for quite some time. Um, and in that, all the, all the research says that um, the younger generations of donors have more of an affinity to causes as opposed to uh, specific institutions. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had, we had uh, conceived of this idea of a cause fund. So instead of donating to an individual charity, you're donating uh, to a cause. So I'm particularly passionate about the environment, let's say, and I can uh, donate to the, envi the environment fund and I can support uh, a breadth of different organizations that are working towards this cause that I care so much about. So at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, um, obviously a huge crisis, again, very uncertain times in March and we hadn't even really been thinking of cost funds in that light as an ability, like a way to mobilize around like mm. this, like kind of short term crisis type issue. Um, but the stars kind of aligned 
Um, we put it out, uh, raised over $5 million through those two funds. I think later on in the year, um, as we all know and remember 2020, there was a, a host of diff- different social justice issues that, that um, materialized. And uh, we also mo- mobilized around um, those issues and, and put out um, one that was uh, particularly uh, timely, I would say, was the Black Solidarity Fund that we launched uh, in June uh, raised $2 million. And when we look at these cause funds, Cindy, skewing way higher on, on the younger demographic. So this was a, the research played out and we saw this, um, uh, one of the groups was called our downtown donors. So we're young living in the city um, professionals um, that previously super hard to engage with. Um, they engage with these, this is who were, uh, was engaging with this cause fund. We're super happy about that. For So for Canada Helps, as you know, our mission is to increase giving. So we feel a responsibility to bring to bring in these new donors, to engage these younger donors for the sector as a whole. And this is a way that we can do it. And just lastly, I would say for charities out there, um, it's I, I would think about this also in a, in a, in a sense of staffing and a sense mm. of recruitment. Like this, this younger generation, and I see it every day at Canada. Like recently, uh, just we, we've done a bit of hiring and the quality of candidates that are so passionate for social change that want want to make a difference in the world, they have all of these digital skill sets. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like that's a huge opportunity. That's a huge opportunity. So I just wanted to put that out there when it yeah. came to playing around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to keep talking about both the cause funds and young donors separately and together. I mean, we so uh, one of the things in the report that made me very happy to see, uh, and it's connected to the cause fund that the good partnership supported. Uh, we did yes. in lieu of holiday Thank gifts you. for our clients, yes. we contributed to the, uh, cause fund around indigenous led organizations. I don't know the exact name, but, um, and noticed in the report that giving to indigenous led organizations has increased, which I think is so important. Can you talk a little bit about, um, how underrepresented indigenous led organizations have been traditionally within philanthropy and uh, what, how we can start to shift that. Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple interesting points in there. Um, so the first one, which is an amazing sign was that when we, when I, I, I briefly mentioned our OGI previously, the online giving index, biggest growth was in the indigenous peoples category. That was the hugest growth in terms of uh, online fundraising last year in 2020. So that's great news. Uh, still has the smallest piece of the pie when we, mm-hmm. when we compare it with other causes that are, that are out there or other, other subsectors, let's say of, of the sector. Um, but that growth is extremely encouraging. Um, another thing that's really interesting, just bringing it back to the to the young donors, is that that was the group that was driving this growth um, through the cause funds, yes, and and also to donations to individual uh, uh, organizations serving Indigenous folks. So mm-hmm. um, all really good signs. Um, and another, just yeah, yeah, young young people are really engaged with the issues that are top of mind right now. So, yes. and, and that's playing out like across the board. If you read the whole report, um, one other thing that's really cool with this year's report, and uh, I I personally love this part, is the storytelling. Um, yes. So that we have case studies throughout, and for me, a story can paint a picture uh, sometimes a lot better than a, a bunch of graphs. And when you hear some of the stories in here, um, there's 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 a bunch of ind- ind- indigenous serving organizations. 
um, organizations throughout the country and how they needed to adapt to serve our most vulnerable is, yeah, it's, uh, I would really recommend the read for sure. I'm biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it, it's so uh, important to have a sense of what's going on in the sector. And um, I didn't intend for us to focus on young people, but there one other, one thing that jumped out of uh, to me, another piece that jumped out to me was uh, supports of support of arts and culture. And I guess because we work with so many uh, arts and cultural organizations, I'm particularly aware of that. But I, you know, I just always feel like there's this belief in our sector that, you know, people always want to support like the sick kids and the Mm -hmm. universities and, you know, um, all of that. But when I, I read it, I'm actually going to read it because I think it's so important. Um, it just shifts some of the underlying fundamental beliefs we have around philanthropy in this country. So um, who gives more to arts and culture? And there's four demographic groups that tend to give relatively more to charities in the arts and cultural sphere. Most of these donors tend to have relatively less income compared to other groups and are young, urban, and Mm well-educated. That to me just felt like the future of philanthropy where we see it's not necessarily about the big checks. It's not necessarily about, you know, the big institutions. These are people who are giving in their communities to the things that enrich our lives and that are important Mm -hmm. to them. Um, So do I, I just, it, it, I got so excited when I read that. Um, yeah. And let, yeah. I'll let you yeah, just yeah, I weigh think, in on that. I, I think like, from that, um, I agree that that was very heartening for me. And I, that, that made me kind of sit up the first time that I read it as well for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them are re- relating to a lot of the work that, that you've been doing is that throughout the pandemic and our team here has seen it every day, a, a, a big reluctance from anyone that was not directly serving um uh, directly responding to the pandemic, um, to, to be fundraising. And Mm -hmm. for all the folks that, uh, I know that I spoke to that had some reluctance there, here's the data that shows you that people, people are giving and, and people find meaning to give to these organizations that they care about in times of, in times of need. So I think that's one thing that I think if you're an arts organization for you to see that it's a little bit of, in a sense, maybe validation or like, hey, let, let's do this. And that's a call out to everyone out there that's having some reluctance. We need you to survive. So stop. Uh, and then the other part um, also uh, that I would say about that. Um, so arts organizations were, were hit probably mm. harder than most. Um, so I think... Again, times of need. So ticket sales um, and the, these other cultural organizations, like a lot of it depended on in person. Um, so uh, when speaking from day to day with these organizations, also the pivot that happened there from like traditionally like an event based, an, an event based system, in person system to pivot that online. Um, I think that shows a lot of resilience in the sector. I think that's that's a story of adaptation that everyone should look to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and also it's, it's a, 
it, there's less overhead there when you're doing that as well. So even though a lot of there's, there's some examples of this in the report, people aren't able to make up the entire amount of the pie that they lost, but it's also a, it's a, it's online fundraising is a more, is a more efficient fundraising method. There's less overhead there. So I think that's a good story. And lastly, I just want to say as well with this is that you you talked about the shift from like big checks to community-based giving just from a financial perspective. This is, this is a much more, I would say, uh, sustainable and less volatile source of funding. When you have mm-hmm. 1000 donors, right, versus the being dependent on one, if you if you lose a few, that's that's a even if it's only 10%, you're you're just growing 10% of your revenue pie, that's a sustainable source of revenue pie. We have benchmarks from AFP 40% retention rate. If you're just that's another lever that you have. We can improve our donor stewardship, increase that retention rate, and we have the sustain, sustainable source of funding, right? So, yeah. Yes, we're Totally going to be talking about that too in the podcast. I actually just just had a conversation this morning about it. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm very optimistic. While we know that the giving is tied to the GDP and that there might be some challenging years as uh, as the economy recovers, I think there's a lot of really good signals here that community-based fundraising, um, small organizations are really poised to uh, to grow and and hopefully do well. Um, and Jacob, I definitely want to have you back to talk more about the digital uh, piece because that's also something um, that I think is critically important. In the meantime, where can our listeners hear about this rep- or find the report, download it for themselves and uh, and learn from it? Yeah, real simple. Uh, CanadaHelps.org, right on our front page. They're on our carousel. They will be for a little while. So um, yeah, you can just go there and find it there. Thank you, Cindy, so much. It's been so much fun. It's always great to speak with you. Likewise. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the role you play in the sector. And of course, to all of our listeners, we have the privilege of doing this work. I know Jacob feels the same way mm-hmm. because all of you are doing the work on the front lines every day and we so appreciate it. So thank you and we'll see you next week. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.